Welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where tour players, legends, and the top instructors in the game share their stories, insights, and playing lessons. Join Chris every week as he talks with the greats of the game. You are the smartest guy I've spoken to on radio or television in my career. And Chris, again, you are, you're knocking out of the park. You're like eight under par in this interview. By rallying research, I'm hiring your tail to be the research, man. You're the best. You're a fantastic host and tremendously respected in the golf community. Yeah, Chris, you do an amazing job and your listeners are super lucky to have you and it's always my pleasure. Chris Scarrow is the king of the golf podcast. Don't miss him on Tuesdays. Now, here's your host, Chris Mascaro. Good evening, folks, and thank you for coming back and joining me this week on Next on the T. I appreciate you making this show a part of your weekly golf content. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and today I've got four guests who really are going to knock your socks off. First up is going to be our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry. TP and I tonight, and we're going to discuss a couple of feel-good stories that happened this past weekend on the PGA Tour, namely Tyson Alexander's grind to make it out on the PGA Tour, and he finished tied for eighth this past week at the Bermuda Championship. He's Buddy Alexander's son, and Buddy is one of the all-time great college golf coaches. Tyson walked on there at Florida where Buddy was the head coach, made him walk on, wasn't going to give him a scholarship, and Tyson earned his way on that, that golf team. He's been grinding out on the Corn Ferry Tour, finally made his way up through the PGA Tour, and at age 35 is really coming into his own. We'll talk about that. We'll also get into another inspirational story from that tournament, and that is Camilo Vijegas goes out and wins that golf tournament. At age 41, after several setbacks, including the loss of his two-year-old daughter, what a tragedy that was. He perseveres, and he comes all the way back, and now he's a winner again nine years later on the PGA Tour. So a lot to get into with those stories, plus a whole lot more when TP joins me here in just a few minutes. Following him, I'll get a return visitor from Champions Tour Pro, Rob Labritz. Rob's been out on the Champions Tour now for the last couple of years. He's earned his way up through Q School. He was the medalist in 2021 to earn the right to get out on the Champions Tour. And now he made it all the way to this year's Charles Schwab Cup Championship and finished inside the top 36 on tour. He's also finished tied for fourth in back-to-back U.S. Senior Opens. So much to get into with Rob. He is such a great guy and such a wonderful man to be around. Always positive, always uplifting. He'll join me about 25 minutes from now. And speaking of positive and uplifting, following Rob is going to be the chief merchandising officer for the PGA Tour Superstore, Randy Peich. Randy's another one. Every time he joins the show, it's uplifting. He's so positive. He's got so many great things going on. He is so great to be around. You can feel the enthusiasm for what he does oozing through the microphone. He'll join me, and we're going to talk about Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Those are coming up. What are some of the cool gift ideas coming up for either yourself or for the golf enthusiast in your life? We'll also talk about some of the cool technology items that are coming out onto the market. Can't wait to catch up with Randy. He'll join me a little bit later on in the hour. And then we'll round things out with a return visit from another one of the top instructors in our game, John Hughes. John is one of the few people out there that is a master PGA professional, so we'll tap into that. We're going to get a lot of playing lessons from John tonight. We're also going to talk about some of the golf schools that he has done this year up with our friends at the McLemore. I want to hear about the keep 
the new golf course that is co-designed by Bill Bergen and Reese Jones up there. Here's so many great things about it. Reese shared his thoughts on that golf course and how at some point in time, there could be a major championship played on it. He thinks it's that good. We'll hear what John thinks about that. Plus, get those tips when he joins me about an hour from now. So we got a lot in store for you this week here on Next on the T. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me again this week. All right, now back and next on the tee with me as our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry. As we talked about a couple of weeks ago when he was on the show, he's got some exciting news that he shared then. We'll talk more about what that news was and give you an update on that when he joins me in a moment. We'll also talk about the White Beast. We talked about that last time too, but now a new story about some craziness that happened with that. I want to get that update and let you hear that story. As always, though, be sure to go out and check Tom out online at TomPatry.com. Follow him on Instagram at TomPatryGolf. Go out on his YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe to that where you can get those over 300 free video golf lessons for yourself. And as always, it brings me great joy to say that he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, TP, how are you, my friend? Christy boy! <laughs> how are you, Tom? Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. No doubt you are. So for those who didn't join us last time, tell everybody where you're at now. Who who didn't join? Who, who has to learn? I, I can't imagine, but I imagine there are two. Us I every week. Right. But I'm sure there are two or three that are just hearing about us, tuning in for the first time. Let them know how they can find Tom Patrick. So, Chrissy Boy, you know, I started on uh, October 20th at a brand new gig. I am now the Director of Player Development at the Twin Eagles Club in Naples, Florida, a whopping 2.3 miles from my house. I am so happy <laughs> to be there that I don't have to drive to Fort Myers anymore. And and I'm not knocking Fort Myers. I'm not knocking Crown Colony. That They were great to me there. But this can kind of came out of nowhere. And... Uh, 36-hole facility, huge membership, great, maybe the best practice facility in South Florida. I mean, I, and I say that sincerely, 36 really good holes. Uh, a former host of the Champion Tour Chubb Championship uh, on the uh, what they call the Talon course, which is the original course of Jack Nicholas, And um, just just a phenomenal place. And it's just, it's been, it's kind of a gig I've been looking for since I've been in Naples 23 years and it kind of came out of left field out of nowhere and just kind of perfect timing worked out. And I'm, uh, I'm thrilled, thrilled about it. All right. Before we get into all the golf stuff tonight, I got to <coughs> say, stock down New York football, Tom, Giants, Jets, even Bills. Here we go. Stinking Here. it up. What the go. heck has happened to you? Giants so, so, franchise? So since your, your since your Steelers have beaten you know Naples High School three weeks in a row, and you feel good about your six and three record. You, you six pick and up. three. You, you are what your record says you are. Yeah. Who who you who you you played? Let's see, you played. Doesn't uh, matter. Doesn't matter. Ho Chi Minh High School. You played. Uh, you know. Come on, stop. Okay. Anyway, you played who the schedulers asked us to play, and we so, beat six out so, of the nine of them. So. You're gonna you're gonna kick me while I'm down here, right? And kick me while my giants are bleeding, you know, from every orifice on their on their body. Right? Okay, I'll, I'll just store that. I'll store I, that for future. I, I just I can't figure out you and I and 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 you were telling me I was overly optimistic about your giants before the season started. We went through the schedule, and I thought, you know, hey, the giants 
they, they could go 10 and 7, something like they, that. And, I thought I, you, and, what, and, and you told I me you? I was crazy. You told me I was crazy. And, uh, and, and, and you turned out to be right. And my optimism turned out to be wrong. But this bad. I mean, not it's this the, bad, Tom. Who, the, who's the quarterback now? It's the well, it's it's we got a pizza delivery man. Tiny That's what I thought. Yeah. So we uh we we have probably we are suffering through probably the worst giant team in my adult life, and I'm 65, so I've been an adult for a, well, by definition now for a while. Um, <laughs> but they're, they're you, you, you yeah, qualify that exactly. They are absolutely. Awful, not not bad. They're awful, like awful. Yeah. It's just you know. I can we can we talk about something else? Yeah, I feel bad for you. We talk about yeah. I want to talk about something. Else. All right. So last time, as I mentioned in your intro, we talked a little bit about the miles you're racking up on the white beast out there. So for everybody who's and we've <coughs> only got a glimpse of it in in a, in a rare picture when we might get a the rear quarter panel of the white beast. Tell everybody what the make and model is, how many miles you have on it, and I hear. Well, You've already had to replace the engine. The White Beast, well, that, 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 that's a whole story itself. I'll get to that in just a second. The White Beast is a 2015 Chevy Silverado that has, <clears throat> by the odometer, has 146,000 miles on it right now. But, but the story you don't know, Chris, is, let's see, so let's go back two years ago. I was, you remember, I was teaching in Charlottesville during the summer. Yep. Um, so I had a Monday off. I needed an oil change. I didn't know my way around town. So I, I zipped into a Jiffy Lube, you know, to get that oil change real quick and get out of there and run some errands on my day off. So I got the oil change. It was a Wednesday. And then Friday, I had one of my corn ferry guys come into town to work. And we uh, we worked at, at the club for a little while. We were going to go have dinner. So he was going to follow me to a restaurant not too far away. And I hopped in the Beast and was driving over to this restaurant. He was following me. <clears throat> Excuse me, and um, it started acting up, kind of chugging and, and missing and stuff like that. And I had never had any problems with it, um, so I turned it off at the restaurant. I said, yeah, I don't know, I'll figure this out when I come out. So I came out after dinner, turned it on, and it was really not doing very well. And he followed me back to where I was living, just made sure I got there. In the morning, there was a, a really good um, mechanic I'd heard about around the corner at a, at a local gas station. I figured I'd stop in here on the way to work and see if he could look at it real quick and figure out what was going on. I pulled in there and I uh, told him what was going on. He asked me to turn it on. He asked me to turn it off. He opened the hood up. He said to me, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. He goes, did you have the oil change recently? I said, yeah. He goes, you didn't happen to have a change that a, a Jiffy Lube out on US 29, did you? <laughs> and I was like, excuse me? And he said, yeah. Is that what you? I said, yeah, that's where I went. He goes, um, there's no oil in this truck. <laughs> I, I said, mm. what? He goes, there's no oil in this truck. He pulls the dipstick out. He shows me. He goes, they emptied the oil and didn't refill the oil. I said, that's impossible. He goes, well, there's no oil in the truck. It's happened there before. You're not the first guy it's happened to. Your engine is seized up. It's done. It's over. Kaput. It's, it's no good. Wow. I said, I said, what? So long story short, I go back to the club and I'm panicked. I don't know, really, you know, I'm, I'm not from there. I don't really know anybody in town. He said, listen, when you go back out there, the manager's going to tell you to get lost. Like, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. You're going to have to get a lawyer. You're going to have to, you know, I said, oh, wait, 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 wait. So I go back to the club and by chance, I'm talking to the director of golf and one of the members. 
and he mentions a member's name that's a really affluent guy in Charlotte. So he said, this, this member, who I don't know at the time, has just bought all the Jiffy Woods in town. You should call him. He's a really good guy. So I'm like desperate. So I, I get this guy's number, this member's number, and I call him. And by, by complete luck, I didn't realize this. He said, Tom, we've actually met before. I said, I, I don't remember that, sir. He goes, I came out to the teaching building a couple weeks ago. It was raining. You were getting ready to go home. You stayed. You got me some balls. You made me feel comfortable. You, you couldn't have been any nicer. What, what, what's going on? So I told him the story. He goes, yeah, I do own all these Jiffy Loops. Let me, let me call you right back. <clears throat> so I hang up the phone. He calls me back in five minutes. He says, listen, I'm still trying to get to the bottom of this. I've just taken over these, these businesses. But here's the deal. The customer is always right. So whether you're wrong or whether you're right, you're right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure the truck either gets repaired with an engine, or if I can't do that, I'm going to buy you a new truck. Wow. I said, excuse me? He goes, I want you to tell me where the truck is. One of the guys is going to go pick it up. I want you to go to the airport and rent a car for as long as you need it. And, you know, no matter what the, whatever, no matter what the bill was on the rental car, I'm going to cover that too. He went and got a new engine for the truck, had it put in. It's been fine ever since. He paid for the new engine. He paid for the rental car. And Tom just rode off in the sunset very happy. So the White Beast, although it has 146 on the Domina, has an engine that's basically brand new in it. Now that is a tremendous story. Good yeah, for I that mean, guy for stepping up. I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, I almost fainted when he said that. I was like, you got what? He said, yeah, just go get a rental car. I'm going to cover this. And had it fixed. Yeah. Amazing. Good for him. Yeah. yeah. For you. Yeah. 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 The beast lives on. <laughs> Long live uh, the beast. All right. Let's talk a little golf because there are a couple exciting things that happened over the weekend on the PGA Tour. You're close with the Alexander family. Buddy Alexander is the former Florida head coach, a multiple-time Hall of Famer. His father, Skip, played out on the PGA Tour and was a Ryder Cup player. Well, Buddy's son, Tyson, finished tied for eighth this past weekend at the Bermuda Championship and shot the round of the day on Sunday with a 64. At 35 years old, he's been a grinder out there for years. Talk about Tyson. You know, I've, I've known Tyson since he was a tot, you know, uh, growing up in, in, in that family. You know, Buddy and I are very close. and His wife, Joni, and I are close. And, you know, Tyson, uh, you know, was a slightly above average junior player and wanted to play for his father at the University of Florida. And Buddy really thought, you know, he couldn't really play there and, you know, really recommended he go somewhere else and play golf that he could compete at. Tyson wouldn't have it. He said, I'm coming here. He said, Buddy said, you can, you can walk on. You know, I'm not going to guarantee a spot. Well, not only do you walk on qualified, but walk on spot. He gets on the team. And, you know, the same team that you know, there's a guy named Billy Horschel's on at the time and a guy named Camille Vajegas is on at the time. And, you know, and, and Tyson doesn't play much his freshman year, gets a little bit better. doesn't play much his sophomore year, gets a little bit better. By his junior year, he's actually starting and, and wound up being a part of that team his junior and senior year with those players. Um, he gets out of school, and Buddy says, you know, you're not going any further with this thing. And he said, yes, I am, and just kept on going. Um, eventually qualified for the South American, the Latin American Tour, and then one down there, one on the Latin American Tour, came back up. Corn Ferry Tour status gets out there, struggles, 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 wins on the Corn Ferry Tour, um, and just grinding on the tour, off the tour, has status, doesn't have status, 
long story short, last year qualified to for a card via the Corn Ferry Tour and uh, had a good start to the year, had a really high finish, I believe, in Houston, and then struggled through most of the year, um, kind of teetering and teetering. And then you know, this week in Bermuda makes the cut when he really needed to make the cut and needed a check and um, moves up 33 places, I think, on Sunday with the last round 64 and secures his card for next year. So, I mean, it's like the ultimate grind story. I mean, just like the kid has no give up in him. Um, just has defied all the odds. Um, and, and we'll be out there for the second year in a row next year. You mentioned Camilo Vijegas, another wonderful feel-good story from this past weekend's tournament. He's been through a lot over the last nine years since he, uh, he got his last victory out on the PGA Tour. Lost his tour card for a while, lost his status, went back through the Corn Ferry Tour, back to the PGA Tour, lost his two-year-old daughter to cancer. He's 41 years old, but somehow he kept going when a lot of people wouldn't have blamed him if he had stopped. And then two weeks ago, he finished second, and then this past weekend, he gets a win. What a wonderful story this is, Tom. I mean, incredible story. And I, I, I've only really met Camille once with Buddy in Gainesville when he was in school. Um, but the time I met him, I was very impressed with him at the time as a, as a college player. Just a, just a wonderful, you know, wonderful demeanor and, and a nice kid. And, and the things he's been through, you mentioned there, Chris. I mean, you know, golf is one thing, um, and, and we all have our ups and downs when we, when we play golf competitively, um, especially at the professional level. But to to lose a daughter um, at two years old, I, I can't. I can't even. I my, I can't even fathom what that would would be like and and then go back out there and 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 be struggling you know hasn't won since 214 um and like I said lost his status played some awful golf in 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 the intern and just kept going and kept going um i went through that tragedy and then just to just to put it back together and and compete at the level he's competed at it, it you know not only is it a feel-good story in the end um, but it's just a tent, just a testament to the human spirit and, and what you can overcome, you know, with a belief system and, and, you know, no give up. I mean, it's just, it's like a made for TV movie and, and it wouldn't be believable really if you, if you, if you saw it on TV, but, uh, one of the, one of the endurance that kid has and, and, you know, how can you not pull for him and be a fan of his forever now? Yeah, exactly right. Tom, a club up from your old neck of the woods, Westchester, New York, just celebrated its 135th anniversary. And that's the St. Andrews Golf Club. Obviously not the one over in Scotland. But there's an argument out there about which club was the very first one in America between Chicago Golf Club and St. Andrews. I don't think enough people really are familiar with the St. Andrews here. What do you remember about that golf club? Yeah, it's a it's a wonderful place. You know, it's a really old school very traditional private club in Westchester County. Um, I believe I believe the actual town it's in is called Hastings on the Hudson. Um, and there's been a longstanding argument between several clubs, but the two main um, defendants, if you will, have been uh, St. Andrews and Hastings on the Hudson and the Chicago Golf Club in Wheaton, Illinois, as far as who was the first one. And there's so many different factors. Is it contiguous? Is it the original site? Was it nine holes? Was it 18 holes? Was it 12 holes? There were actually six-hole golf courses at one time. Um, so everybody goes back and forth, and there's more than two in the argument. There's three or four, actually, in the argument. Um, 
and and nobody really has criteria for what defines the oldest. Is it you know, like I said, is it on one property? Chicago Golf Club, which started in six holes by C.B. McDonald, uh, then went to nine and eventually 18, is not on the original site anymore. They moved sites, I think, in, I want to say 1919, if I'm remembering correctly, but I could be wrong about that. But so since they moved sites, is it, it's not really the original spot. That's your argument. Um, so all these guys have these different criteria as what defines the oldest and what is the criteria for naming it the oldest. But the bottom line is both of those places are incredibly historical um, and, and and really shaped the very, very beginnings of American golf. Um, if people want to read it, people are viewers out there or listeners out there want to read a really great book. Um, there's a book called Scotland's Gift Golf, which was written by C.B. McDonald, who many consider the father of American golf. Um, it's one of my favorite reads all time. I have it in my library and I've I think I read it four or five times from cover to cover. Um, but it's a great story about how how the game actually came here. And people don't realize the game was not always here. The game was brought here. And <coughs> many people believe it was brought here by C.J. McDonald. Um, and how he um, how he grew the game, how he uh, how he started uh, and started his journey in golf course architecture, some of the places he built, how he later um, had a, uh, a foreman on his crew named Seth Rayner, who went on to be a great architect. And Seth Rayner influenced another architect named Charles Banks. And all the places that they built together are, are you know, part of their tree of golf courses. And if you look at their collective works, uh, CB, Seth Rayner, and Charles Banks, um, it's like it's like a who's who of golf facilities in this country. Um, it's really worth a read, Scotland's Gift Golf. Thomas Sam Weinman wrote an article for Golf Digest, and it's titled "The Best Courses for Bad Golfers." Oh, and I boy. was shocked when I looked to see which courses he thinks would be good for hackers like me to play. And uh, you want to you want to fathom a guess to which golf course he said is the number one golf course for bad golfers? So, first of all, before you even tell me what the first one on his list is, Chris, what a ridiculous article to write. I mean, it just, I mean, Sam must be bored at night and, be, you know, not being able to sleep, have insomnia or something. But how do you come up with that? You know, why would you write that article? What's his first course, Chris? Which is it? <laughs> Number one on his list is Augusta National. I you thought. Want to, you want to explain that to me? Yeah, I couldn't believe Like, his rationale is from the members' tees, the course gives you enough breathing room off the tee to allow for a reasonable approach shot. Now he says, once you get around the greens, you may need extra boxes on your scorecard to tabulate your score. But Augusta National, that's the best course for bad golfers. So let's, I can't let's, believe it. Let's just take a shot at Sam here. Okay. So Sam obviously, you know, has some, has some, has some issues. Maybe he needs some therapy or something like that. Maybe he needs some direction. And clearly he's portraying a fact that his golf IQ is not very high. So first of all, even from the members to a bad golfer probably can't get up the hill on number one. Uh, he probably can't get it over the hill on number two, and he certainly can't get it up the hill on number five. And number number seven is is tighter than a bowling alley. And besides all that, now the bad golfer has no clue how to play side hill, downhill, and uphill lines, which on that golf course, as you know, are really severe. So can he get it in play? Can he hit it far enough? And then can he manipulate side hill lines? 
And, and that's before you even get to the putting surface. So I don't know how that's an easy golf course for a bad golfer. Um, and clearly Sam doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. And feel free to quote me on <laughs> Numbers two and three, and you got to look at the list, right? So those are National Golf Links of America and Fisher's Island. Those two, two and three, again, from your old neighborhood. Do either one of those belong on the list? Our numbers okay. two okay. and so, so so both two of my favorites in the whole world, by the way. Um, two places I've played a lot of golf at, both places, and really great places. And let's take one at a time. National Golf Links of America has a series of blind tee shots, has hidden bunkers, is very severely bunkered, and the bunkering is really, really tough bunker. So that would really bode well for the average golfer, wouldn't it? He doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know. He doesn't know even know where the hole goes, and then he's going to deal with you know pot bunkers and deep bunkers and bunker shots in general, and how many bad golfers can hit a bunker shot. So that's really good. Sam, nice going. Did it again. And then number three, number three was Fisher's Island, and again, old school golf course where the wind. It's an island now, by the way, in the middle of the Long Island Sound, and I've never played there when it wasn't just how. You know, I mean, just really blowing hard. So I'm sure the, the, the bad golfer has no problem playing in the wind and can clearly hit those stinger shots like Tiger can all day long. So he should have no problem at Fisher's Island at all. Right? <laughs> Say, hey, Sam, 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 wake up, Sam, wake up. <laughs> Tom, I want to go back to something we talked about last time and a little bit about your college playing career because in a similar kind of circumstance, a few weeks ago, Jasper Subs won the Asian Pacific Amateur Championship. So shortly, an invitation to the Masters is going to arrive in his mailbox. And then next July, he's going to have an opportunity to go play in the Open. He was the 362nd ranked amateur going into that event. And now his whole life is changing. You had to deal with something a little bit similar to that when you won the D2 National Championship. Suddenly, everybody knows who you are. And your life changes. What do you think about what Suggs is going through and what's going through his mind right about now? So, Chris, first of all, I don't know. I don't know if the D two national championship of nineteen eighty one consider a major championship, but but thank you. Um, it, it was certainly a highlight in my college life. I, I had won. I'm trying to think about. It. I have to think about this a little hard. I think I had won five college events, collegiate events, before I won the NCAA Division two national championship in eighty one. So I was. I was a decent college player, um, and it was in a, it was in a time in college golf when D two was just starting to close the gap to the level of play that they were playing D one at. Um, just after me comes along Rocco Mediate, who obviously wins on tour. Lee Jansen wins two U- U.S. Opens. Uh, Marco Dawson wins a British Senior Open. So the level of play just after me, like the year I graduated really was elevated um and we were kind of at the infancy of that so um truthfully um if i had not won and i i think you know this the year before my junior year i lost the national championship by a shot by bogeying the last hole so i was close to being able to win that championship two years in a row um which would have been you know unbelievable uh, and just to finish second and first was a throw but anyway if I hadn't won my senior year, I really was looking to go to law school. I was a political science major, um, and, and you know, I thought that I wanted to be a lawyer, uh, and I had plans on going to law school. And the, maybe the biggest 
uh, error in my life maybe was the fact that I won that tournament and then I thought I was good. What a mistake that was. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't that good really. So um, I, put the, I put the law school idea on hold for the next year, eight years of my life. Uh, and truthfully, I wouldn't give up these eight years for anything. I traveled all over the world playing professional golf, played some golf in South America, played some golf in Mexico, in Canada, in Europe, and South Africa, um, and chased that dream around. And, and then finally came to the realization at one point because of some, inju- some injuries, some really bad injuries, actually, um, a couple of surgeries, that I was, I was like the white six-foot-one point guard in the NBA. I, I, was, uh, I was about a step too slow and about three inches too short, and I had to find something else to do. Um, and which eventually led to, and there's a whole series of events that take us too long to talk about it all, but led to me staying in the golf business side and, and, and trying to teach the game. And, and that was a whole, that's a whole segment we could do and just the evolution of that and how that happened. And, and just because you're a good player doesn't mean you're a good teacher. It certainly doesn't mean that. And I, I struggled with the idea of teaching for a while, thinking I was not very good at it at all. Uh, and a lot of people stepped in to really help me. And, uh, Actually, I just did a presentation two weeks ago uh, at Jimmy McLean's teaching summit in Miami, and the topic I, I spoke on for an hour and a half was the journey and the mentoring and and the breaks I got and who provided those breaks and how much they meant to me for me to go from where I was to where I am now. Um, so anybody that thinks you do this on your own is an absolute fool. I had so many people that that helped me, that 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 guided me, that that nurtured me. Uh, that, that slapped me around when I needed to be slapped around a little bit. Um, and without those people, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be anywhere near where I am right now. Um, so it's, it's an interesting journey. And there's so many little forks in the road that can, that can change the whole path of your life. Uh, and that's whether you're a golf pro or you're a lawyer or you're a plumber. You know, I mean, uh, to think you, to anybody who's successful in this world has had a bunch of breaks and has had mentors and, and to not give those people credit and realize how grateful you should be for those people um, is absolute stupidity. Tom, one more before I let you go, and I want to get a playing lesson from you. With the- 170, that's $175. <laughs> Send me the bill. <laughs> As temperatures start to dip now everywhere north of the Florida border, that means turf conditions are going to get harder. Lies are going to get tighter. Ball's not going to travel as far. What adjustments do we need to make in our games to make sure we are prepared and we can accommodate all those different changes that are about to happen? What 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 has been the coolest day you've had in Atlanta so far? Uh, lows probably in the mid thirties a week okay. or so ago. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you two words will change your whole life, Chris. Okay. Jet blue. <laughs> <laughs> Atlanta, How can that help my golf game? Atlanta to Fort Myers, Fort Myers, <laughs> I seventy five South, exit one eleven, go about seven miles east, turn left into Twin Eagles, and I'll be waiting for you. <laughs> no, seriously. So, so you guys, you guys um, are heading into some bad weather. It's it's not going to get any better from here soon. It's going to get worse. So there's a, there's a ton of things you should do and, and can do in the off season to make sure your spring next year is, is better than your spring this year was. Um, and and I, we've talked about this before in the air. I mean, the number one thing we should be doing you know, in the off season up there is is getting into a 
uh, some kind of physical fitness program in terms of stretching and staying, you know, somewhat supple. Um, and you can do that right in your living room. Um, there's so many things online now. Um, if you and I place I always send people first is mytpi.com, which is a wonderful site, uh, Titles Performance Institute. And there's so many thoughts and ideas there and information there and educational background uh, developed by Dr. Greg Rose, um, who's, who's just a, a brilliant, a brilliant, you know, mind in this area. So you got to stay fit and you got to stay supple, number one. But things like uh, simple things like the orange whip, things like a weighted club, uh, you, you've got to be swinging and making motion every day. Okay. Um, and, and just even if you're not hitting live golf shots, you've got to be making some swings every day. Uh, I do it. I would suggest you do a ton of mirror work, you know, in front of a mirror and, and work on, you know, work on different positions in your golf swing, um, ingrain those movements. And then certainly, certainly you should be putting indoors too, because I think the thing we lose the fastest and takes the longest to come back with is your feel for distance and speed control. So those are some simple things you can do during the winter. But I think the number one thing you should be doing, Chris, is jet blue. <laughs> but what about uh, my my question was more around what uh, what about uh, those of us that are still out there playing? I mean, it's cold outside. Turf's, I, I, turf's hard. I I, 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 don't, I don't play golf because when it goes under goes under fifty, you're oh, not is getting, that is that right? You're not it starts with a five. Temperature yeah. starts with a five. You're indoors. Actually, I would say five five. I'm indoors. I mean, you know, oh, a five oh five oh is out of the question. I mean, dude, I've been in Florida now since. 2001 i don't do cold i don't i don't do it so if if i mean first of all it's not even golf i mean the grounds rock hard the greens don't put true they're bumpy i mean the ball doesn't go anywhere if it, you know if you're looking for a stroll in the park then take a stroll in the park you know go you know go ride your bike that that is <laughs> that has nothing that has nothing to do with golf, though you're wow. describing it there. Profound so, words from Tom Patrick. You know, if the temperature you know. is 55 degrees or lower, don't checkers. like. Check, checkers. Yeah, go checkers. <laughs> yeah. You know, Parcheesi. Parcheesi is good. You know, or, or again, smart person's going to go jet blue. Going to go jet blue. Tom, before I let you go, remind everybody how they can stay up to date with all the things you're doing and where they can find you online. I'm not doing that, Chris. I'm going to do the same thing I do every week when you say that. I want to say thank you so much for having me on. What number show is this, by the way? 86. Know? 86 times I've been on with you. God bless you, man, for putting up with my crap. Right. It's just right. We are so lucky, all of us who come on this show, whether we're teachers, whether we're players, whether we're caddies, whether we're industry leaders, whether we're sports psychologists or physiologists, to be on this on this platform with you who does the best homework and preparation of any host I know. And we're finally, you're finally getting the recognition you deserve with some of these awards you've won lately. We are blessed to be part of the show and I'm blessed to be a friend of yours. Thank you for having me on. And who cares where they can find me? <laughs> Everybody cares. You're Tom Patrick. Uh, who cares? Who cares? Tom, yeah, thank I, you so I, much for taking time out of your night to come back for an 86th time, my friend. You're the best. I love you. I uh, can't wait to well, catch up with you again in a couple of weeks. Let's keep doing it, my friend. I love you. Same here. Take care, Bye. Tom. That is the great Tom Patry, and you can find him on Instagram at Tom Patry Golf. You can find him online at TomPatry.com, and then on YouTube, be sure you go out there and subscribe to get those free playing lessons from him. He is just the the best there is. I love that guy. 
so lucky to have him as part of the show every other week. And uh, as I always say, I'm already looking forward to two weeks from tonight when we get to do it again. Okay, coming up next is going to be a guy who is absolutely tearing it up out there on the Champions Tour. A guy who has been a wonderful player locally and has earned his way out on the Champions Tour and is now taking advantage of that opportunity. And that is Rob Labritz. Before I get to Rob, I was talking with Eddie Dry, VP of Domestic Sales for Strixon Cleveland Golf, at the PGA Merchandise Show earlier this year. And I said, Eddie, I like your CBX full-face wedges. How can they help an average player like me play better? Here's what he had to say. An average player, I use one, and I'm in some lies that you can't even believe. And I need all the help I can get. And the face is bigger, and the grooves go all the way up and all the way out to the toe. So if I, you hit it on the toe, you miss it, bam, there's a groove. So I like that. So I carry a, a 58. There you have it, folks. Try the new CBX full-face wedges from Cleveland Golf. I want to tell you about something else I saw at the PGA Merchandise Show, and that's me and my golf. And how does a 45-day free trial to Arco sound? Well, me and my golf have partnered with Arcos and are offering 14 free sensors and a 45-day free trial to Arcos Caddy. When you purchase any training aid on shop.meandmygolf.com. This is a limited time offer, so don't miss out. Again, go online to shop.meandmygolf.com. With many years in the business, menswear brand Construct has finally launched its green golf collection. Sustainably produced using renewable solar energy and recycled fabrics. Hit your best shot in their performance-enhancing polos, quarter zips, and bottoms. Made with four-way stretch, quick dry, and UV 50-plus protection. From solids to bold, eye-catching designs, Construct Green is the perfect piece for making the best memories on the greens. And the best part? You can head to Construct.com, and that's C-O-N-X-S-T-R-U-C-T.com, and use code CHRIS for 20% off the green collection today. Now back and next on the tee with me is Champions Tour Pro Rob Labritz. As I stated, when Rob joined me earlier this summer, he is a legend in the New York area and metropolitan section. He won the 2006 New York State PGA Championship. He's won the New York Open three times. He's also won the Westchester Open, the Rhode Island Open, and the Massachusetts Open. He's been named the Westchester Golf Association's Player of the Year six times and the Metropolitan PGA Section Player of the Year twice. He was the only club professional to make the cut at the 2010 PGA Championship at Whistling Straits. He's played in six PGA Championships in total. He's played the last two seasons out on the Champions Tour after being the medalist at Q School in 2021. And over the two seasons out on the Champions Tour, he's had six top 10 finishes and 19 top 25s, including finishing tied for fourth in the last two U.S. Senior Opens. He earned his way into the final top 36 in dramatic fashion at the Charles Schwab Cup Championship. And I couldn't be more excited that I get to have him back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Rob, thanks for coming back on the show. Chris, my pleasure. Nice to be with you. How are you guys tonight? I'm fantastic. How about you, Rob? You got to be feeling good. Feeling really good. Um, First day home, uh, relaxing with the family, unpacking. uh, And yes, just kind of getting things moved into our into our place down here in, in South Florida. So last things first, Rob, congratulations on making the Charles Schwab Cup championship. That's quite an accomplishment in and of itself. And I and maybe 
you got in there by by making the most clutch bogey putt I've ever seen. And based on your reaction when that putt dropped, I'm guessing you knew you had to have it in order to get into the top 36. Were you aware? I was aware, yes. Uh, I had the reconnaissance going out on the golf course the last few holes to make sure that the um, the few mistakes that I made, which were kind of weird mistakes, uh, just didn't equal me uh, missing out on that top 36. And, and it was great to make that last putt and get in there. And uh, we got to go see Phoenix for the first time. So that was uh, that was a treat last week. Where does that putt rank for you on the most nervous moments that you've had out on a golf course? Yeah, that would definitely be a top three to top five. Uh, definitely one of the one of the most that I've I've had. Um, but uh, you know, all the practice and preparation kind of prepares you for those moments. So you just you just do your thing, and and uh, hopefully it's good enough to uh, to get that ball into the hole. Did you feel any pressure at all this past weekend at the at the championship or at that point when you made it into the top 36, made it into the field, were you just playing with house money? No, I, you know, I always feel pressure when I play because uh, I want to play well. Uh, I put pressure on myself. It's one of those things that you hear a lot of the, the, the tour players and everybody you know talk about putting pressure on yourselves. Um, it was a great accomplishment. You know, one of my goals to obviously to finish in that top 36. Uh, I know that the two years that I've, I've been out there um, you know, my game's definitely improving, especially my short game. Um, and then, uh, you know, I know what I need to work on in the winter to, uh, to climb that ladder and, and break into that top 20 and get our first win out there. It's just, uh, it's just a matter of hard work and perseverance. So now that you're a top 30 player on the champions tour, what does that mean to you to sit back and realize I am one of the 30 best players right now on the champions tour? How does that make you feel? Well, I, again, I, it, it it makes me feel like I'm doing what I what I should be doing, what we set out to do, which was to go ahead and, and play the Champions Tour full time and see how how it affected our lives and and how you know we could either a manage it if if we liked it or if we were going to have to go back and do you know something else um, and how I was going to play. I mean, I you know it was great to be in this uh, situation to be in that top thirty six this year. Uh, great to know that my my hard work is paying off and, and great to know that I'm going to continue to work hard to, to keep, uh, you know, trying to keep up with these guys. I mean, you look at how these guys are playing, you know, Stephen Alker and Patrick Harrington and all these guys, and they're just, they just take it deep every week. Um, and I haven't really gotten to that point yet. So I'm just looking to play with them and, and get better and better and better and, uh, and keep improving so I can, so I can win out there. That's the goal. Rob, you earned your way onto the Champions Tour by being the medalist at Q School in 2021. We've got a whole bunch of guys trying to follow in your footsteps right now with the first stage of Q School going on. What was it like for you getting through Q School? Yeah, Q School was, that was the biggest relief. Uh, getting through that that second stage of Q School or the finals to get the, one of those five cards that they had was uh, was one of the biggest uh, achievements and accomplishments in my life. Um, I mean, it was just, uh, it was one of those moments that, uh, you know, I waited for a long time to get and, uh, it was great when it happened. Um, you know, you have to have a little luck on your side too. So I guess it was my time. So, uh, you know, we've, we've rallied that into being out here for two years and, and I like to continue to improve so I can continue to stay out there because I, I, I truly like playing, um, uh, professional full-time golf. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. And Rob, you're, very easy to root for. You've always got a smile on your face. You're so positive and upbeat. We need more Rob Labritzes, not only in golf and sports, but in our world. 
right now. Do, do you feel a desire to be a role model? Are you conscious of, you know, trying to be as upbeat and smiling as, as possible to show the younger players and young, just young people in general what it's like just to be happy in life? Yeah, you know, I go through, it's funny uh, out there, I go through the inner battles, I guess, that every golf pro goes through. I I definitely am a happy man, um, without a doubt. Uh, but, you know, golf brings out this craziness in you. Uh, and in me, it does. I can't say in anybody else, but I, I've seen it in other people um, where you really feel your emotions. And that's what I'm what I'm learning the most about being out there. Uh, true. It's just handling your emotions, uh, you know, taking it one shot at a time, uh, not getting too high or too low. It's truly just hitting golf shots. And, and once you start to understand all that and kind of put all these pieces into place, it's just more than you know, working on your short game and making sure your putting solid and make sure you, you know, your body stays in shape and, and you can drive the ball straight and far. There's, there's so much more to, you know, to, to doing this week in and week out. But, um, yeah, uh, I definitely feel like, uh, like I'm definitely improving and getting ready to, to go into a 2024 season, uh, I'm much more prepared than I was the last two years. And Rob, you finished tied for fourth in the U.S. Senior Open now in back-to-back years. Next year, it's going to be played at Newport Country Club, so not all that far from where you're from. I, I know you like to visualize things and visualize winning. Is that a course that you can visualize your name being engraved on the trophy at? Well, one thing I'd have to do first, Chris, I'd have to get over that Newport Country Club and play a practice round so I can see what it's all about. I've never stepped foot on a place. I know that's a a great home of a, a bunch of great players up there. You got the, you know, the Billy Andres, you got the, uh, the Brett Quigleys. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, history up in that area, but yeah, I definitely like to get out on Newport country club and, and the next, um, you know, once it starts to open up in the spring <laughs> and, uh, check it out before that senior open rolls around, that would be, uh, definitely on the bucket list because, uh, love playing those USGA events. It's just so much fun. Um, uh, yeah, looking forward to Newport this year, especially New England. And Rob, you mentioned Steve Stricker. He just won the, the Charles Schwab Cup championship. You made Pat, Padraig Harrington, Bernard Longer, so many great players, all tough opponents that you've got to be out there playing against week in and week out. And Padraig Harrington, Harrington may be the first guy ever to hit it longer after he turned 50 than he did before it. But talk about competing against those guys and what, if anything, you glean from them as you're watching them play each week. Yeah. So, you know, playing against the guys is just, you're playing against the best players, uh, that you can play against. So that's going to make you a better player. Um, what I'm learning is that they're, they're fearless. They've been doing it for a long time. Uh, it, you know, it's not about money to them. It's about winning titles. They just want to win titles. They don't, they, they think that they should be, you know, the one, the only ones out there winning and, and that's what they do and they do it very well. And, and that attitude needs to be, um, you know, cultivated over time. Uh, with that skill. So, uh, they've got the skill and the attitude, which is great. I'm still working on my skill. I definitely have the deep down attitude in me. Um, so, uh, as long as my skill keeps improving and we keep knocking off our, 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 our goals that we can definitely obtain, then, uh, we're moving in the right direction. Rob, going back earlier in your career, you competed for years out on the Australia Asian tour, the Gold Coast golf tour, the Golden Bear tour. What was it like back then? Not only just trying to win and advance your career, but to be able to earn enough money to get through and live from week to week. Yeah. I mean, I did stints on those tours. It wasn't like, um, I, you know, I, I did Australia for a month. So, um, you know, it wasn't like I was spending, you know, years uh, over, over there. Um, but every trip that you went on, you know, was a big expense when you had to play golf. So you had to try to cover your expenses. 
Um, if your plane ticket was X and your hotel was X, you definitely wanted to play well to make sure you covered those expenses when you had a family. Um, what did it do? I was looking at it more on the side of I wanted to learn how to travel. I wanted to learn how to play different golf courses in different parts of the world. Um, and it was kind of like an expensive sort of learning uh, curve. But I did all right in some of those events and, and made some money. So uh, it wasn't a total uh, uh, loss. And I think the experience that I gained uh, for being out there doing those uh, events you know, worldwide uh, definitely made me a better player and, and a better teacher and better golf professional, without a doubt. So now that the Champions Tour season is over, you got a couple of months now before the 2024 season kicks off at Wailai in mid-January. So, Rob, are you going back to doing some golf clinics? Are you going to shut things down for a while, let the body heal and relax? What's next for you? Yeah, I've got a few uh, events to play and a few pro members. I'm going to hit the gym hard. We're going to add uh, some mass back onto my body, which over the winters I generally uh, tend to do. Um, and then during the season, I don't have enough um uh, you know, energy to kind of just keep building and building because we're playing so much golf. So I'll do a lot of that this winter. I'll do a lot of relaxing. I'll do a bunch of practicing. Uh, I'll definitely do a, a bunch of time spent with my family. And I have a few things that I have to do for some of my sponsors, but um, it's all planned out. We've got a nice uh, game plan going in to get some rest and, and get ourselves recharged for that 2024 um, um, you know, PGA Tour champion season because we're going to play in every event and and uh, try to get our first win out there. That is the goal. Rob, just a couple more before I let you go. And I noticed that your logo looks an awful lot like Phil Mickelson's High Flyers team. Looked like he may have uh, taken a little logo infringement from you. You mentioned to Phil, send him anything and say, hey, that, that logo you got on your head looks an awful lot like the one I've had. I, I To tell you the truth, I haven't even looked. I haven't even seen his logo. So I'll have to take a look now that you brought it to my attention. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, do you have any superstitions when you play? I'm a, a red tea guy. I always got a tee off with a red tee. I know Jack Nicholas always used to have a couple of pennies that he would use to mark his golf balls. Do you have any superstitions that you live and die by out there on the golf course? Yeah, I'm kind of a belief, uh, a big believer in karma. So I try to do things right. I, you know, if there's a ball mark, I'll try to get two. If there's, you know, you try to hold the door, you try to, you just try, try to kind of do the right things. Uh, try not to do any of the, the real bad ones, like let any black cats cross your path or, you know, break any mirrors or anything like that. You know, stay away from those. But other than that, just try to stick to the routine. And, um, you know, the more you can get into the routine and find what works, then the better off you're going to be. Mark my ball with a with a quarter that's in, in the 60s. Is that right? Why? Yeah, because you can never tell when it's going to match your score, you know? Give a nice 64, 63, or maybe 62, and sometimes, you know, 69 or 67 if you're not feeling too greedy. So, Very nice. <laughs> Rob, before I let you go, how can our listeners stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and you're achieving out on the, the Champion Store? How can they follow you, whether it's online or it's on social media? Yeah, I mean, uh, PGATour.com is a great way. Follow Champions Tour. Um, there's a bunch of links to all the uh, stuff like Instagram and Twitter. Um, yeah, LinkedIn. Uh, you know, all those things, if you want to just kind of catch up with what's going on, Facebook, uh, it's all Rob Lippert's golf. Uh, you can search me out, uh, find me. If you ask me some questions, I'll, I'll answer your questions. Uh, I usually get pretty good at getting back to you. So, uh, just like to talk golf and, um, you know, anything you want to know, just, uh, let me know. Easy to reach. Look forward to uh, hearing out from a lot of people. Well, Rob, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show. Congratulations again for all the wonderful things that you achieved in 2023. I'm excited to see what you're going to do in 24. 
Happy holidays to you and your family. I hope we get this opportunity to catch up with you again soon. Chris, thank you for all you do as, as well. I really appreciate the opportunity, and uh, I'm always here to talk call. Have a great holiday yourself, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, Rob. That is the great Rob Labritz, folks. And I'm telling you, he is one of the easiest athletes in any sport to root for. I just love it. He's always got a smile on his face. He's always got something positive to say. He's always upbeat. And the things that he is out there doing, I mean, again, a guy that earned his way on the Champions Tour by being the medalist at Q School in 2021. I can't imagine so many guys have talked to us about the most pressure you're going to face is really just getting through Q School to get out on whether it's the PGA Tour, the Champions Tour, or with the ladies over on the LPGA Tour. And Rob did that, again, medalist. And now he has had two wonderfully successful you know, years out on the Champions Tour. He's gotten better each and every year. He's tied for fourth in the U.S. Senior Open twice now, so he's knocking on the door to not only winning a tournament, but winning a major. And I couldn't be more excited to see what he's going to do in 2024, rooting hard for him to break through. That's going to be a wonderful day when we see Rob LeBritz at the top of the leaderboard at the end of a Champions Tour event. And I know, i got a feeling, it's going to be in 2024, it's going to be early. Coming up next is going to be the Chief Merchandising Officer for our friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore, and one of my favorite guests, a guy who is always positive, so upbeat, and always brings a lot to the segment, and that is Randy Peich. Before I get to Randy, I want to remind you about two under men's performance wear. They're the unofficial underwear of the PGA and the 2020 Ryder Cup team. Ricky Fowler is their global ambassador, and over 50 other PGA, Corn Ferry, and Champions Tour players wear them. Just to mention a few, like David Toms, Jerry Kelly, Justin Thomas, William McGirt, Scott McCarron, and Chris DeMarco. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management, delivering maximum comfort from the tee box to the boardroom to the bedroom. Use code NXTONTEE20, so next on T20, to save 20% at checkout. So go to 2under.com. That's a number 2UNDR.com. 2under, performance in your pants. Relax. Easy now. Find your happy place. It's all in the hips. Just tap it in. Yes! Find the latest clubs and apparel at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. Okay, now back in next on the tee with me is the Chief Merchandising Officer for the PGA Tour Superstore, Randy Peich. Randy earned his MBA in Public Relations and Communications at Auburn. Over the course of his career, he has spent time as a senior merchant for Golfsmith and a vice president for Sports Authority. He joined the PGA Tour Superstore as a VP of Merchandising back in November of 2011. Prior to his current role, he was a senior VP of operations and then the chief operations officer there at PGA Tour Superstore. And I couldn't be more honored that I get to have him back again with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Randy, how are you, my friend? Thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, Chris, it's so good to be back with you. Thank you again for having me. I'm very excited. I uh, always look forward to our time together and uh, sharing some cool insights on what's happening in the world of golf. Yeah, absolutely. So. It's been a minute since I got to have you here, so catch us up on the great things that you guys did so far this year at the PGA Tour Superstore. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, it's been a very, very exciting year for us. Um, we have opened uh, seven stores already this year, and we have the eighth store of the year coming up uh, this coming Saturday, 
um, in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, which is which is going to be store number 66. And that also gets us into our 25th state. So very excited to uh, to be rounding out the year um, with half the states in the U.S. now where we have stores. There you go. That's awesome. So speaking of that, as you know, I've got the great honor of having this show available now in my hometown of Pittsburgh. With folks can find it in the sports section there, the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. And you've got a fitting partner up there in Pittsburgh in Five Iron Golf, which folks can go check out over at PPG Place. But any plans to be in the Pittsburgh area? Oh, yeah. I'm glad you asked me that. And uh, the Five Iron partnership has been amazing. Um, we are in now uh, 12 uh, Five Iron locations. We'll be in 13 before the end of the year. Um, and those are our fitters in there doing the fitting process that we do in all of our uh, stores in our studio locations. So you can get the right shaft and head combination. We've got all the equipment that we have in our stores. Um, in the five iron locations. So that's really cool. And right there in downtown Pittsburgh, um, our first foray into the amazing Steel City. And um, we are actively uh, looking for um, one of our store locations there as well. So I think uh, I think you'll see us in Pittsburgh before long. It's uh, it's definitely on our short list and not our long list. Ah, so great. it's a great it's a great market. People in Pittsburgh, as you know, Chris, love their golf. Um, and um, was uh, was up there recently and got to got to see uh, Latrobe, where Arnold Palmer grew up, and um, quite an amazing place and um, venue there as well. And uh, really um, pays homage to the King. So I got to ask you, Randy. Now that you say that, what was it like for you to be at Latrobe? What a wonderful place to get to troll around a little bit. It, it was a very very short time there, but but every moment was like stepping back into history. Um, a lot of the uh, a lot of the things are just the way that uh, Mr. Palmer left them, um, including his office area, and um, even had the the, the magazines from the, the the magazines that he was reading right up until his his last few moments with us, and uh, just really um, amazing the things that he did for golf. And as you know, Chris, our organization is so focused on giving back. Um, to local communities. And I think that all started with people like Mr. Palmer um, giving back um, to others. And his life uh, was really exemplified by not just his performance on the golf course, but the things that he did off, off the golf course to support uh, the communities that that he was involved with, both in Latrobe and Orlando and and throughout the United States. And um, and I think he was instrumental in in doing that. And, you know, we continue to do that today. Um, as you, as you know, our organization, we give back to, um, almost 150 different organizations throughout, uh, the United States where we have stores, um, that are doing good for the game of golf, but also for the communities at large. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, and Randy, speaking of new locations, you guys are one of the very few retailers who are out there having great success opening new brick and mortar locations, which I think speaks to the great services that you guys give when people walk through the front door. Talk about what sets you guys apart from every other golf retailer. Yeah, so we have, as you mentioned, we've grown significantly over the last three years. Uh, we continue to grow our market share. Um, the uh, We've talked, I think, the last time about how COVID was such a, um, such a great um, influence for the golf uh, industry because 
people realize that it is a great thing to get out, enjoy the fresh air. You know, at that time we were talking about socially distancing, but the number of people that that came in, it has has really our rounds of golf has in have increased over the past three years, 15 percent, which is amazing because prior to that in the prior two decades, it maybe was up two, three percent or down two, three percent in any given year. Um, so it's the third straight year that we've had this year in 2023 um, with over three million uh, newcomers coming into the game. And so now we're up to three point three million really since the um, since the start of the decade that have joined uh, this great game. And female participation has increased for three consecutive years. And women now account for 25% of golfers and 40% of new golfers. And so the amount of new kids coming into the game combined with the amount of women that are coming into the game, and it's really becoming such an inclusive game for everyone, um, where I think for uh, many, many years, golf had the stigma of just being for a few elites, right? And now now we're bringing golf um, to really everywhere between the um, the presence of kind of the golf entertainment venues like Top Golf, Five Iron, and Drive Shack. Um, but it's also, it's becoming a little bit more mainstream and cool to actually go and play golf, whether it's a date night or teenagers going to hang out on a Friday night um, at one of these places. And then that translates to them wanting to go play golf more. So we really feel like anytime a, a golf ball is being hit or a putt is being stroked, that that is really good for our industry and our game. Randy, speaking of growing the game and the things that you guys do, you guys do a lot of in-store things to help grow the game. Talk about the clinics and the other things that you guys offer that are helping grow this game. Yes. Th- thank you for that. It's, it's amazing what, um, what we've done. So we've, our golf lessons, uh, we'll start with that are up 23% versus last year. So the number of people that are coming in getting lessons, uh, we did in 2022, over 200,000 people, uh, came in and got fit for golf clubs, which is just incredible that we've done 200,000 fittings in it in a year. Um, and then we do free clinics, uh, for kids, um, throughout the summers, um, on any given Saturday. If you check our website, you can bring your kid in and just do free clinics. And uh, depending on where they are, some of that's just getting exposed to the game. If they're really small, sometimes it's coloring a golf ball and just leaving with a souvenir, um, all the way up to, uh, the, the best juniors in the country coming in and, and getting lessons. Uh, we do beginner clinics. Uh, which is amazing. If you've never played golf before, what, what do you do? Where do you go? How do you stand? How many clubs do I need? What's the etiquette? Um, the, all the different ways that you can get involved with golf, whether that's public or private golf courses. And, and as I said, we, we also facilitate and partner with golf courses to get people from our store onto a golf course. Um, and now we, we know in the U S that 75% of golf courses are open to the public. So. It certainly seems like private courses sometimes get a lot of attention when majors and other tournaments are played at them. Uh, but to know that you can go to a local municipal golf course and, and just really start the game, uh, that we all lo- have grown to love is, is amazing. And I think a lot of people don't really know how easy and accessible golf has become over the last several years. And, and that's what we do as well. We, we just want people to experience golf. And I think I've said this to you before, whether we sell them a product or not, it really doesn't matter to us. We want to grow people in their relationship with golf. And uh, we think we're in the relationship business and not really the transaction business. And we find people that come into our store many, many times with no intent to buy at all. And 
really just to either hang out, improve their golf game in our practice areas, um, or really just putt or, uh, or get a lesson. And the practice areas that we've put into our new stores are, are really state of the art. We've done full simulators with TrackMan. Uh, we've created bar stools and areas for their friends to come hang out with them and actually play places like Pebble Beach in a simulator as a foursome right inside of our store in a climate controlled environment, which whether you live in Phoenix or Minneapolis during certain times of year can, can really be helpful. Randy, you mentioned fitting, and we've talked about this in, in previous visits with you. I talk about this on the show all the time. One of the things that we we don't understand about getting fit is a lot of people think about, well, that's just for the tour pros. You know, those guys are the ones that need to get fit. And it's really the opposite. 99% of us aren't good enough to get just grab something off the rack and go play with it. We're the ones who actually need to get fit. You mentioned yeah, about think, all yeah, the fittings you, you do. Talk about that. Yes, yes, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I equate it to just, you know, if you were, if you bought a giant truck, you don't want compact car tires on your giant truck, right? You, every car and truck is made very, very differently. And the type of tires that you put on your car can give you better mileage, can give you better traction, can perform better in the rain. It's the exact same way with golf equipment. There are clubs that are designed for certain swings and the ones that aren't that's why we have separate shafts um lots of different combination of uh, of heads and shaft R- literally hundreds of thousands of head and shaft combinations in our store and so sometimes that can intimidate people and they come in and say i have no idea what i need or how to do that and that's what our experts are there for so whether you're a beginner golfer or whether you're tour aspiring uh, we can help you. And that's, that's part of the beauty of it. And every single golfer should come in and get fit because if you're not more than likely, you're running the risk of, like I said, winning the lottery to, to figure out that you, you've got the right thing for you. And that's, as we know, those odds are astronomical. And so with hundreds of thousands of combinations, there's certain to be one that's right for you. And Chris, sometimes customers come in and they had been fit before and, um, we test them on their existing equipment and say, hey, even with all the new shaft head combinations, you're in the right setup. And that actually builds trust. Like I said, the relationship business, we want them to play better golf. So if a new set of clubs is going to do that, that's fantastic. But if not, come in and get your clubs checked, compare them to the newest, latest, greatest. And the the technology really doesn't lie. And that's that's the beauty of um, where our game has evolved to is that you should use things like technology. It's kind of like, I I always say, if you've never been fit for golf clubs, it's kind of like you're still on a landline with a phone and you don't, (laughs) you don't have the ability to leave your house and talk on the phone anymore. Right. So technology, put it to work for you. There you go. Mm -hmm. Randy with Black Friday and Cyber Monday, just a couple of weeks away. What are some of the cool items that are going to be a great deal that we either need to come in to get for ourselves or for the golf enthusiasts in our lives for the holidays? Well, I, I got to tell you, there, there's there's three things that I think every golfer should be looking at or every person buying a gift for a golfer should be looking at. One is golf balls. We've got tremendous deals on golf balls right now. It's um, There's a lot of golf balls that are um, that are, that are on sale right now. And a, a lot of the premium golf balls don't normally go on sale and there's so great deals in premium, but also really, um, all throughout our store. Uh, we even have a deal with Strixon, um, 
where it's buy two dozen Strixon, get a dozen for free. So get the golfer in your life three dozen golf balls or purchase a $5 sleeve of those. And we're going to donate to the Veterans Golfers Association to really impact the lives. As you know, we just came off of Veterans Day not too long ago. Um, and this purchase of a $5 sleeve, we're going to donate to uh, veterans and their family members um, through this Veterans Golfers Association, which is amazing. They put on 1,100 golf tournaments, 20,000 members nationwide. Really cool. So golf balls is one. Number two is technology is on the horizon. So if you if you don't have a watch or a range finder or um, or even a speaker that has a screen in it now that's telling you how far you are to the hole, um, there's so much really cool technology out there. Um, as we know, music is really a part of a lot of golf courses now, and it, it's fun to see that um, out there. So music is one. And then every golfer, every golfer needs a, a little layering piece um, as you go close to holiday. As it gets a little bit of cool in the U.S., no matter where you live, um, that perfect quarter zip or hoodie or sweater um, for men and women is the right gift at this time of year. So if it's if you're looking at those three categories, you're definitely going to find something in our store for your loved one or your friend or um, even someone at the office. Uh, if you want to buy your boss a gift, golf is always a great gift for that. All right. So now I got to go back to something that you said. We got speakers that have range finders built into them now. Yes. And they are the hottest thing. Yes. It's very, very cool. So for a while now, we've been developing or the manufacturers have been developing speakers. Music is so prevalent on the golf course. You can hook it to your golf bag. But um, some of these cool speakers that have magnets that go right on the cart. Uh, now have a little screen in them and uh, you can see over 30,000 golf courses on there that'll tell you front, middle and back distances, distances over hazards, um, what yardage you have. They'll even keep score for you now. And you can you can Bluetooth a lot of this right into your phone. Um, keep scores. Uh, look, look for handicaps on certain apps. It's it's really, really cool what Bushnell and Garmin and Blue Tees and some of these other folks are coming out with it's uh it's it's a great great gift item and uh, like i said that one with the screen in it is probably the hottest item right now um we've just done some big reorders on them to get ready for all of the christmas gifts that we know are going to be uh happy to be received under that tree no doubt speaking of technology and and we we talk about it in terms of like we just did with range finders we talk about it in terms of clubs and golf balls but there's a lot of new tech in the shoes segment, talk about some of the things you're seeing over in golf shoes. Yeah, in golf shoes, for a lot of years, um, for a lot of years, golf shoes used to used to be, hey, you you could either have a spiked golf shoe that was a little bit uncomfortable, and then and pretty much nothing else, right? And now there is a whole array of things from Jordan shoes, uh, which are making a fashion statement, to just shoes that you can wear for 18 holes, walk in them. You don't even have to change your shoes to go to the dinner that night because they look like super casual shoes with some spikes on the bottom um, or spikeless. And then uh, all the way up to the the premier golf shoes that a lot of the tour players wear. And the best thing about shoes today, if you haven't bought a pair of shoes in a, in a couple of years, the comfort is just incredible now. So shoes that look very traditional that used to be a little bit uncomfortable uh, now have comfort features built in as well. Um, as well as waterproof. So there are so many different options. And uh, once again, 
um, our experts can help you find the, the right pair of shoes and, and make sure whether you pronate, whether you walk, whether you ride, whether you push a cart, there's a shoe for you out there. And um, that is always a, a great gift uh, for this holiday. Randy, sticking with technology, Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy's new TGL League is set to kick off in January. One of the franchises they've sold is right here in Atlanta to Arthur Blank. He owns the team as well as the PGA Tour Superstore. We're going to have Justin Thomas, Patrick Cantley, Billy Horschel, and Lucas Glover making up the Atlanta team. How involved are you guys going to be with that team? Well, very, very involved. And what an exciting, exciting announcement. And as you mentioned, um, our owner, Arthur Blank, um, has this amazing uh, ability to look at things that are going to help grow golf. And this is certainly one uh, that is going to be exciting for uh, for a lot of folks. Uh, it's going to be a different format, as you know, on TV. We couldn't be more thrilled with the team that, that Arthur put together uh, with Justin Thomas and Cantlay. Um, uh, Billy Horschel and Glover, like these, these guys are amazing. Um, I did see the announcement. I know you're a Red Sox fan. The Boston yep. team's going to be pretty hard to beat as well with, with McElroy and, and Scott and Terrell Hatton and Keegan Bradley up there, a Boston native. Like it, it, I, these teams coming together, we are going to be the official partner, uh, of the league, uh, to carry all of the teams in the various markets that they're in with their logo. We're going to carry merchandise. Um, it's going to be an incredible um, time to launch a new league and really create some interest in golf that uh, is going to appeal to a different demographic, um, which is what we've talked about at the beginning of this is, you know, how amazing it's going to be for people to turn it on and and really watch something unique and um, see a little banter and have players mic'd up. And and really, the team aspect should be amazing. But we're going to be heavily involved with with these players. Um, as well as their teams within each local market, not just in Atlanta. But as you can imagine, in Atlanta, we're going to be uh, really tied into it. And and where they're going to play is in uh, about a mile away from our store in Palm Beach Gardens down there in Florida. So I had a chance to go and see the, the facility not too long ago, and it's coming along very nicely. And uh, it's going to be a really, really cool IMAX screen. Players are going to be Hitting off of sod and sand, they're going to be. There's going to be a shot clock. Like there's, there's a lot of really interesting, uh, unique features to to this league that uh, I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised when they tune in and and see it. And you know, I'm always a big uh, uh, lover of the trash talk too. So I love to <laughs> hear the players just jab each other a little bit when they uh, when they hit a good shot. So it's uh, it should be it should be a lot of fun and. Uh, you know, we see some of that from time to time when a hot mic catches them, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna hear these players really go at it. And you and I both know how competitive uh, these guys, all the guys that we mentioned, are. With Patrick Cantley being on our team here in Atlanta, if if uh, he can't uh, find a hat that fits, or is that something you're gonna be able to help him out oh, with? Oh, we're we're gonna help him. Yes, we're gonna <laughs> help him. We we will we will definitely we have his 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 hat size already dialed in, so uh, he will. Uh, He'll be good, but uh, it should make for some really good competition. Indeed. Randy, I got to ask you, on a personal note, what's on Randy Peisch's Christmas list this year? Oh, man, I have a, you know, I, it's funny because even though I'm in the the industry, I, I'm always, um, you know, I, I always want golf stuff anyway. Um, and I, I think for me, again, I I, I went back to... Um, the, the three things that I said, but I'm, I'm going to go a, a little bit of a different direction on that. I, I am, um, as I get older, 
my t- my threshold for playing golf in colder weather tends to uh, go a little bit higher. So I think I'm going <laughs> to go for some winter golf gloves um, and some hand warmers and uh, and maybe a, a cart heater and a and a little beanie there. So even in Atlanta, Chris, as you know, <laughs> playing golf in January and February can sometimes be a little cold. So yep. uh, you know, I grew up in Florida, so my blood is very thin anyway. <laughs> so I'm going to go for the winter year and uh we certainly have plenty of that to go around but that's going to be on, on my list that's uh another great item if you didn't like the first three that i uh offered up there you go randy i i can't let you go without looking ahead a couple of weeks to the auburn alabama game can yes. your auburn tigers beat alabama at home this season i gotta tell you so i i will i will be in attendance for that and the um the the, I've seen some very strange things happen in person in that stadium, and um, Alabama is looking better and better and better. But um, but Auburn's looking a little better the last couple of weeks too. So um, I'm I'm expecting a great game. Um, hopefully, uh, you know my good friend Ralph Stokes probably wants to hear me say on this airwave that Alabama's going to come out on top. But you know, as an Auburn fan, I can only say War Eagle and hope for the best. <laughs> there you go. But our golf team is very highly ranked, as you know, in both. Yes. So the the golf team's playing well. Yep. And our and our good friend Bill Bergen is a an alumni and doing great things uh, in and around our area with the uh, with with some golf course designs and up there at McLemore with the keep and all that sort of thing. We're going to get into that with my next guest, John Hughes. But yes, a lot of great stuff coming out of Auburn golf. Awesome. Yeah. Love Macklemore. It's a great, great place to go. If you haven't visited yet, if anybody listening hasn't visited, it's a great, great spot up there. Yes, it is. Randy, before I let you go, remind our listeners again, how can they stay up to date with all the great things going on at the PGA Tour Superstore? Follow you online and on social media. Yes. Yeah, so PGA Tour Superstore.com is the best place to go. We, we also have Instagram and Twitter, and even TikTok now site for PGA Tour Superstore. Um, and you can find me on on social media as well, on, on Twitter and Instagram. Every once in a while, I'll put a nice picture out there about uh, about the way you can play golf. And uh, just a passion of mine with my family, as you know. Um, love taking the kids out and love just being with friends on the golf course. And I think that's what our, our game is all about and why it's growing so much. Yes, it is. Randy, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show with me this week. It's always great having you here. Always love your enthusiasm for the brand, the game, and what you bring. You make the segment so much fun because you're such high energy and you're so positive. It makes uh, doing this segment and doing the show with you so much fun. Thank you for doing it. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for everything you're doing for the game of golf, too. And uh, please don't hesitate to uh, come see us here before the holidays, okay? Look forward to seeing you in our store. Absolutely will. I'll be at the Kennesaw store many times between now and Christmas. So looking forward to it. Take care, Randy. All the best in your family. We'll catch up soon. Likewise. See you, Randy. Bye bye. That is a great Randy Peich. P-E-I-T-S-C-H is how you spell his last name. And you can find him out there on Instagram and on Twitter. New store in Knoxville. How exciting is that for those folks up there? Store number 66. And again, as we talk about on this show a lot and Randy pointed out, so eloquently get in there and get fit it's nice that you can go in there and grab a a club off the rack but get it fit to you and your swing so that you can play the best golf possible follow the pga uh, superstore pga tour superstore at pga tss that's where you can find them on instagram and on twitter 
at PGATourSuperstore.com is the site. So many great things, a lot of great sales, a lot of great things coming up. So get out there, get the, get your golf enthusiasts or get yourself what you really want this Christmas season. So Randy's, like I say, just a wonderful guy. And you heard that come through, I hope, and the enthusiasm in his voice. And that's just who he is. And uh, great pictures of he and his kids out there playing golf and having a good time. So Randy's a great guy. I look forward to catching up with him again very, very soon. Okay, coming up next is another one of the great instructors in our game and one of the very few guys out there that has reached master professional status, and that is John Hughes. Before I get to John, and folks, do you sway and you're off balance in your golf swing? You know what? It could be your shoes. A golf shoe needs structure to provide stability and reduce sway. How can you tell if your shoes lack structure and are hurting your game? If you can hold your shoes by the toe and heel and twist it, toss it. Squares was designed for the perfect balance of structure and comfort. Isn't it time you tried squares? Try the new speed bolt at squares.com. That's S-Q-A-I-R-Z dot com. Looking for the ultimate Myrtle Beach golf experience? Well, it's only a click away. Check out the two-play special at two of America's most awarded public golf courses, Caledonia Golf and Fish Club and True Blue Golf Club. They are low country masterpieces featuring two iconic Mike Strands designs. Play these two incredible courses for one great price. Visit CaledoniaGolfAndFishClub.com to learn more about the two-play special and book your tee time today. Again, that's CaledoniaGolfAndFishClub.com. All right, now back in next on the tee with me is another one of the top instructors in our game, John Hughes. John earned his business degree at Appalachian State. He's been teaching our game for almost 30 years now. He has worked with everybody from beginners all the way up to tour players. John is one of the very few PGA master professionals that we have in our game, and he's a top 25 instructor with Golf Tips Magazine. In 2013, he won the Horton Smith Award for his dedication to education for all golfers. John was named a 2023 North Florida PGA Section Teacher of the Year. The Golf Range Association of America has named him a top 100 instructor for growing our game. He is the honorary president of the Northern Florida PGA section. I had the privilege of getting to meet John in person earlier this year at the PGA Merchandise Show. I hope I get to see him again here in a couple of months, and I'm excited he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, John, how are you? Thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks, Chris, for having me. Uh, wonderful to be back on the program, and absolutely, we can bump into each other in January. It's going to be a fun-filled week. Yes, it is. So, John, before we get into on all the on-the-course stuff, you recently announced some big happenings at John Hughes Golf. Talk about your partnership with Donald Ross Sportswear and your new uh, operations manager. Yeah, well, let me start with Donald Ross, because that was sort of the First thing that happened earlier in the year since we last spoke, uh, I was driving home from Macklemore, driving back to Florida, and I was introduced to Todd Fontaine, who turns out to be the local sales rep for not only Macklemore, but for all of Georgia and Florida for Donald Ross Sportswear. And we were talking quite a bit, probably for about half an hour, 45 minutes. I was explaining who I am, my brand story, where, where I want to go. And the next thing I know, I was introduced to uh, Rob Strano, who's the CEO, through Charlie Reimer. And, and lo and behold, I'm now a ambassador for the apparel company. I'm, I'm really proud and happy of that. The line represents 
not only who I am as a person, as a golfer, but a lot of my clientele as well. I was able to provide a lot of clientele who visited me at Macklemore in October with a gifted piece from Donald Ross had my logo, the mark of Macklemore on it. It's a fantastic line. Uh, always staying up top with, with, uh, with the, uh, the, the type of apparel, the type of texture and fabric they're using. Um, it's, it's something that a, a better golfer is going to want to wear because of the way it's fit and the way it's built around you. And for the bigger guys like me, they have a full size cut that still makes us look fit and trim. So. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Todd, for the honor. Uh, thanks for the introduction, Charlie. I'm looking forward to a long-lasting relationship as one of their ambassadors. John, you mentioned Macklemore, our friends up there in North Georgia. I know you've done a couple of golf schools up there during the course of the year. You, as you mentioned, you were just there not that long ago. Talk about your most recent experience there at Macklemore. Sure, and I'll I'll transition that with not answering the second part, the first question. <laughs> the first, I was up there in May, June, and it was hectic. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of admin stuff because I had expanded some of the offerings beyond just the one-to-one. I uh, brought in a company that is providing me group uh, schools. I had to use some people on the ground and do a lot of stay-and-play maneuvering for everybody and that led me to go to my youngest stepdaughter, Lauren Griffin, who had been doing my social media for a while as a part-time gig and offered her the full-time operations manager position. She's now my right-hand person answering phones, emails. Uh, we speak on a daily basis. She's going to be an integral part in growing the brand of John Hughes Golf, not only in Florida, but at Macklemore. She was instrumental in getting me some time to make sure that October was a great time for everybody. It was a complete sellout from my standpoint of view. Macklemore was pleased. I was pleased. Our client, mutual clientele and guests were pleased. Uh, a lot going on there in the six weeks I was there from playing golf in the dust bowl of what is now known the keep to shooting a ton of video that will be released over the next few months that last Tuesday of October with my good friend, uh, Jean Perplin, who's been my right-hand person with video for quite a while now. It's, it's a special place. I can't say that enough. I can't reiterate that enough. Um, it, it's a place that everybody should put on their list of, I've got to go see Macklemore. I've got to go play Highland. I've got to go stay at Cloudland and I've got to go play the keep before my life is up as a golfer. It's just that incredible a place. John, you mentioned the keep, and that is the second co-designed course up there by our friends Bill Bergen and Reese Jones. When I had Reese on the show earlier this summer, he talked about how that course could host a major championship one day. It's going to be that good. What do you think when you toured around and took a look at the layout? My impression is that if it's not the golf new golf course of the year in 2024, I'm not sure what is going to be that. Uh, if it doesn't debut in the top 20 that you can play in North America, I'll be very surprised. While I was there, I had the opportunity to talk to Reese, and he is just over the moon excited what's going on. And, and I'm privileged to be shared some notes by Bill Bergen, his, his partner in crime there 
on a weekly basis as to what's going on and, and the subtleties that are going on. But what was really cool was visiting the property probably a couple times a week for the six weeks I was there. And each and every time I went there, there was something new. There was something exciting, as small as just getting sprinkler heads in to laying sod the last week I was there and how the sod transformed the vision of Bill and Reese into something living and breathing versus just a, a, a pit full of dust and a pit full of, of what looked to be a golf course. Uh, when you throw the sod in, and you start seeing the layering, you start seeing the little subtleties of of not only fairway, but greenside bunkering and how it wraps into the countryside, the mountainside in the distance. Being able to see all 18 holes from a, almost anywhere on property, it's, I don't think there's another course anywhere that will debut as high as it will debut and to offer a daily challenge to any golfer of any skill level and be able to play a different golf course each day simply due to how they've designed tee boxes, the placement of tees each day, as well as the ever-changing weather conditions there. It's it's going to be a fantastic place. Would not surprise me to hold a U.S. Open or a PGA Championship sometime in the future. It's that good. There's a lot of cliff edge from what I'm hearing at the keep. Talk about what it's like to have so many golf holes run along the edge of Lookout Mountain. It's it's an incredible opportunity for somebody to not necessarily get scared about hitting a ball sideways so much as to enjoy the vistas, the beauty, the ambiance of what those that what that brow is as they call it up there offers you. Uh the fairways are going to be forgiving enough along that brow. Brow, it's about five and a half, six holes that are along that. That you you shouldn't. It shouldn't really come into play unless you visually allow it to intimidate you. But at the same time, knowing that everything drains to that side of the golf course is going to be real important for people to realize, understand, and strategize for. If you're playing down number nine or 10 with the brow to your left and you're trying to play a draw, you're going to have to really think about how much draw is needed and maybe even consider playing the fade just to eliminate the possibility of contours and cambers pushing your ball over that cliff. Uh, number 11 striding over it, somewhat of a peninsula part three. I, that's going to be probably one of the best holes ever designed anywhere from a par three standpoint of view. Uh, but 17, 18, 17, not really being on the brow, but 18 looking straight down the mouth of the cove and realizing that if it goes too far right at any point, the, the hole's over with, you could be saying goodbye to a really good round as well. It's going to require some strategy a little bit of local knowledge as you get to play it more, but it's going to be exciting nonetheless. And, and offering that kind of scenery on every hole, like I said, I don't, I don't think there's another golf course in America that can provide that from an inland standpoint of view. There's plenty of them that provide it seaside, but nothing like it inland. John, I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to get some playing lessons from you tonight. And you recently posted a tip regarding grip pressure on the putter. How can that impact our ability to make more putts, particularly 
if we find ourselves playing on fast greens with downhill putts? Great question. Very timely. You must have been one of the people that looked at that as I released it today, and thanks for doing that. Uh, grip pressure is one of those subtleties that the masters use, the, the great players of the world use to alter distance control by inches, sometimes particularly going downhill. And the analogy I use with most golfers is if they've played tennis before and you're standing at the net, you wouldn't hold the racket firmly and allow the ball to ricochet off the strings and go back to your opponent so quickly. When you loosen that grip, the strings deaden the energy of the ball. The ball just drops over the net. So using the same principle of physics by lightening your grip pressure, particularly going downhill, you can save your stroke tempo and rhythm instead of trying to make it out of rhythm and try instead of trying to decelerate your putter into the golf ball. You're now totally reliant on just the stroke itself and the length of the stroke versus trying to manipulate the stroke, which ultimately gets everybody in trouble going down a hill. The stats are out there at a 10 to 12 handicap. You're probably going to leave a down a fast downhill putt short by maybe as much as three to five feet. And it may roll past even more if you're not careful. So with experimenting your with your grip pressure going downhill, you can do a lot to your game. You can create some touch. You can create some distance control that's going to prohibit or prevent, I should say. The three putt, which is caused by that really poor first putt going way by the hole or coming up way too short. John, one thing I struggle with from time to time is the distance that I'm standing away from the golf ball. What's a good way to determine if I'm standing the proper distance from the ball and when I'm not? Well, I would say as a general rule, even at the professional level, most golfers stand too far away from the golf ball. And one of the ways to check that is by closing your eyes. You've got five senses and only one of those senses can actually feel how you're balanced. And if you're addressing any golf shot, any golf club, and you feel like you're up on your toes, chances are you're too far away. Keeping your eyes closed, why don't you make the adjustment to get your feet 50-50 toe to heel? And for that matter, below the belt, 50-50 left to right. What you're going to find out once you open your eyes is most likely that club has moved closer to you because you're standing a bit taller. You're not as hunched over. You're not up on the balls of the toes of your feet. Doing so is going to prevent you from doing a lot of things well, particularly striking the center of any golf club. When you're having to fight the balance that your body's trying to create while you're in motion, you're going to sacrifice something, and that's typically using your arms to get you back balanced better. Uh, standing too far away is probably the biggest thing. It's rare that I see someone stand too close to, to the golf ball, but typically, again, close your eyes. You'll feel like your hands are jammed up into your pelvic region, probably feeling more on the heels. Once again, close those eyes, balance out your feet. That's probably the best way. Another way is when you can make a practice swing with clubs that are supposed to be hitting the ground and you can hear that club make a thump versus a digging sensation or sound or even a brushing sound, if it's making a nice thump at the bottom of your swing arc, along with you feeling balanced, chances are you're in a really good position 
a distance from the ball to make some really good contact with the golf ball, regardless of the club you have in your hand. John, for weekend warriors like me, from a strategy standpoint, in your newsletter as well, last week you talked about par threes and knowing which flags to go for and which ones to stay away from. How can we tell the difference between the two? Well, as a weekend warrior, you got to take the six guns out of your holsters and really sort of tame yourself a little bit and look for the middle of the green and, and start from there and then realize what your predominant ball flight might be. If you're a fader of the golf ball and you're going for a pin that's tucked to the right, aiming for the center provides you some, provides you a little bit of room for error. But when that pin is tucked left and maybe you're going after the pin a little bit too aggressively, chances are you may or may not hit the green. Uh, you have to be really careful based on your ability to control your distance, but also having a consistent ball flight and playing for that ball flight when it comes to part threes. One of the things I provide people who are trying to break 80 consistently is are you making pars on par threes and par fives? In particular, par threes, that's your approach shot. And typically, you have a scoring iron in your hand. But playing a little bit less aggressively, making a conservative decision for the middle of the green based on your ball flight, you can go after some pins or at least make it look like you're going after some pins if you happen to slightly miss the shot. You just tip your cap to the other weekend warriors and say thank you for the compliments they just provided you because you played smarter with your ball flight. John, when we get nervous, whether we're playing in a tournament or if the course happens to be backed up and all of a sudden there's several groups on the first tee about to watch us tee off, how can we release those butterflies in our stomach so we can make a good golf swing? Well, you were timely. You must be in the middle of my computer because I'm actually putting together some videos about that. The The real key is understanding that it's only a golf shot. I'm not trying to trivialize it. I'm not trying to make it less than what it is. But when you put so much pressure on that first golf shot, sometimes that pressure can not only be overwhelming, it will be underwhelming afterwards. Not necessarily that you miss the shot so much as you put so much pressure in the first one, you have no energy for the remaining shots you have. You have to think of every shot as just a a task at hand. Let me check the boxes to that task, getting set up properly, going through breathing exercises, taking a very small and exact aim at a specific target rather than a big, broad paint stroke of a target. It's better off to hit a bullseye versus a board is the way I'll tell people. And then the real key is just staying within yourself staying within the routine that you are comfortable with that provides you consistent results in a positive nature. There's no reason to change things up simply because it's your first shot or it's a shot that might have a lot riding on it. The more routine you can make any shot, the better golfer you're going to be. So let's take that a step further, John. How can we create a calm confidence in ourselves as we prepare to play or while we're out there in the midst of a round? Well, you have to realize who you are. Um, I'm somewhat of a talker, uh, not really too much, but I need to talk while I'm in between shots. 
versus trying to be somebody I'm not trying to over-focus and over-analyze. Uh, I have a swing trigger that when I pull the club from the bag, now I'm concentrating, now I'm focusing. And what a lot of people don't realize, particularly if they're talkers like Elite Trevino, that it's hard to focus for four and a half straight hours. It, it will wear you out. And you've got to have that trigger to understand when when should I be the golfer? When should I start blocking things out and deflecting as if I'm Teflon, the distractions that could keep me from performing well? But on the other side of the spectrum, like a Nicholas or a Hogan, although it looked like they were concentrating all the time, and they probably were, they in turn are not talkers. They they had very little conversation on the golf course during their successful periods. They stayed pretty much in the element, in the present. Uh, the distractions were actually part of the scenery for them, and they utilized those distractions to gain strength, to gain wisdom, to maybe challenge themselves. Uh, you, you have to know who you are and what you are off the golf course and apply that on the golf course that when you're calm off the golf course, it doesn't mean you're going to seek another calmness on the golf course. It's all one and the same. You're one human being. You're one person. You're one brain. You're one soul. And when you can understand what makes you tick off the golf course and apply it to the golf course, it's not necessarily easy to stay calm. But you've got a lot better chance of staying calm and staying competent no matter what shot you're faced with. Don, what about when we have a hazard between us and the green, particularly our pond that we have to pitch over? A lot of times we focus on the pond, and then that's exactly where the ball goes. How can we focus on where we want the ball to go and where we don't want it to go? Well, you just said the operative word don't. Something most human beings forget about is our brains have zero, Z-E-R-O, definition for the word felt not where any contraction made thereof and when you're saying don't hit it in the water because you are so visually and emotionally drawn to that water what you're really telling your brain is go ahead and hit it there you got my permission and that is a good reason a lot of the reason why you do hit it in that pond when you do not make the force carry when you are more target specific when you're aiming small, your misses are going to be small. But most importantly, you've got to block out the fact that there's a pond there. And the easiest way of doing that is focusing on a flag, focusing on a tree behind the flag or a corner of a bunker and telling yourself, that's where I want to hit it. That's what I want my ball to do. I want my ball to fly in that direction. When you can tell your brain a directive, chances are that directive is fulfilled. When you tell your brain not to do something, all you're doing is fulfilling the inevitable, that you're going to do exactly what you don't want to do. John, the worst part of my game, as listeners to this show know, is greenside bunker play. I get a lot of anxiety when my ball's in the bunker. I tend to skull it across the green, hit it fat, leave it in the bunker. What can I do to get it out and get on the green more consistently? How do I handle that, John? Just by making it simpler than what most people will coach you to have it, to have you believe. I'm a big believer that that's probably the most overtaught 
shot in golf. Uh, there's a lot of experts out there, and I'm not doubting any of the experts, but for that weekend warrior, as you said, for that person who's really trying to gain some milestones and overcome some adversity, the real key is just getting it out first and foremost. And there's no better shot that you currently own than your pitch shot. A long, long time ago, I learned from Phil Ritson that there's a simple mathematical equation that if you hit your sand wedge, say, 80 yards from the fairway, most likely it's going to go as much as 25 yards in the sand, simply because the sand is slowing the club club head down, and therefore the ball's just not going to travel as far. So if you step into the bunker with just a couple of adjustments to your setup, one would be just a slightly open stance. It doesn't have to be 30 degrees open. Five degrees is fine open up your club that much so the leading edge of the club is facing the direction that you want the ball to go in. And then normally from the fairway with that 80-yard sand wedge, that ball is in the middle of your stance. It's the bottom of your swing arc. If you move that ball slightly forward of middle, you make the same swing with the club splashing the sand into the ball using a pitch shot, being able to rotate through, being able to complete your finish. There's a high likelihood you're going to hit every bunker shot out. And that's the beginning of you not only conquering greenside bunkers, but being able to finesse them at some point, being able to make the adjustments necessary to your setup to alter distance, alter height, alter spin. The other things you see the pros do each and every week. It's just a matter of getting a basis and then altering your standards to achieve the smaller objectives you're trying to accomplish out of a greenside bunker. John, you mentioned distance, and we all want more of that when we're on the tee. What are some stretches and some other things that we can do to help us gain a little more range of motion and then get a little more length on our tee shot? I'll start, Chris, by saying, are you warming down? Uh, I tell a lot of my older clients and, and even my younger competitive clients, it's really important and science is showing that the warm down is really the most important thing, not only to prevent injury, but to allow the skeletal muscular system to understand what you've just been through and be able to repeat it again the next time you call on it. When you're warming up, slow to fast is really the best way to do it and heavy to light is the best way to do it. There's a lot of science out there that's that's claiming that is the best way to do it. And somebody with a poor back like me, I can tell you firsthand that's the way I warm up and that's the way I gain maximum distance out of my old swing. The real key is being consistent with how you train, not necessarily just trying to max it all out at one time. Uh a really good friend of mine, Shane Rhodes, who helps me with the group programs at Macklemore, he's always reminding people, hey, when you get in the gym, did, what, did you lift 300 pounds right away or did you start with something smaller and work your way up to it? And what I find people doing who are trying to create more speed, more distance, is they're trying to max out too soon, whereas if they built up over time their ability to be more limber, to be more physically stable in their core, to create some rotation, to create some ground force, that inevitably is going to create more speed. Anytime you're warming up, 
that first thing to do, you got to stretch your core, you got to stretch your hamstrings, glutes, hip flexors, abdominals. Those are the muscles. That's the area of the body that transforms the energy your feet create from the ground up through your torso into the arms and ultimately into that golf club. If those muscles aren't working correctly, if you're not training those muscles correctly, if you're not warming those skeletal muscular parts down correctly, you don't have a good chance of creating more speed. You have more chance of creating injury. Don, just a couple more before I let you go. But now that you're back in Florida, what have you got going on this winter? A lot, a lot. We're we're gearing up for the holidays, Lauren and I. Uh, you'll start. I was actually working on my Thanksgiving post where um, I recognized everybody who's part of Team John Hughes Golf. Um, I, I can't thank them enough for being who they are, not only to me as a person, but to my brand. We're gearing up to bring people in from the holidays through April or May at minimal here in Orlando at Falcons Fire, whether it's a group golf school through Performance Golf or my individual one-to-one golf schools. I've got my assistant, Ed Fulford, at the ready to take my overflow, and Falcons Fire is looking forward to hosting everybody. We've They had a, a little bit of a lean year from late 22 into 23, but with some management change, with some agronomic change, the course is looking fantastic. New management, not the management company, but the new manager and I are looking forward to hosting a lot of people at Falcons Fire. It should be a really good winter spring of 2024 for us all. And, and I suggest people just keep in touch with me through social media, my website to, to see what's going to be going on new. So. Let them know what what is the, the the address of your website and how can they find you on social media? Sure, I made it easy a long time ago, or at least someone mentored me to make it easy for everybody. John Hughes Golf. Whether you put an ampersand in front of it, you put a hashtag in front of it, that's how you find me. Uh, if you want to email me, John at JohnHughesGolf.com. All my social media outlets are John Hughes Golf, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn or X. Um, we're, we're pretty active there with videos. We're pretty active. Something Lauren does really well that I struggled with was the Monday thought of the week. We, we hope it's an inspiration to people coming out of a, maybe a not so good weekend of golf to get them inspired to look forward to the next weekend. But you can always find me through social or the website, johnhughesgolf.com. A lot going on between now and and next spring. Well, John, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show. I'm excited to get to see you again in January at the PGA Merchandise Show. It's always a privilege to get to have you as part of this show. I hope uh, you and your family have a wonderful holiday season, and I hope we get to catch up again soon. And to you and your family as well, Chris. Always an honor and a pleasure, and look forward to coming back more often in 2024. There you go. Take care, John. All the best in your family. We'll catch up soon. You too. That is the great John Hughes, folks. Again, PGA Master Professional, one of the very few that has attained that level of education in the PGA of America. He's doing great things. Again, his website is johnhughesgolf.com. He's a tremendous instructor. You heard some of the lessons that we got tonight. You're going to get even more of those when you subscribe to his his newsletter. And you go out on YouTube and check him out there as well. 
So much great golf content. John uh, presents everything that he does in a very easy and understandable way so that you can make immediate changes to whether it's your golf swing or your approach out on the golf course. You heard him talk a little bit about how we can not let that pond bother us, right? So he's giving you some mental instruction there. He does that as well, again, in his newsletter and in his videos. And then he's also going to help you from tee to green. And that putting lesson is tremendous, right? Grip pressure. Now, we talk a lot about grip pressure when we're on the tee so that we're not slicing the ball into the trees or in, in, you know, out of bounds. But not a lot of time we do we talk about grip pressure when we're putting in our putting stroke and how that influences ball speed. I love the the uh, the visual he gave us with the tennis racket and the tennis when you're at the net and the ball coming back at you at speed. You want to take a little bit of that golf pressure or that hand pressure off the, the tennis racket. Same true with the putter. That's how good John is. He gives you so many things to think about that's going to help you and not confuse you out on the golf course. He simplified the, the bunker shot. That's fantastic. That's who John Hughes is. He's going to make every aspect of your golf better. So again, check him out, johnhughesgolf.com, and give him a follow on social media. Can't wait to see him again at the PGA Merchandise Show in late January. Folks, before I close up shop tonight, you've heard me talk about some great products that I saw at the PGA Merchandise Show. And another one that stood out to me is On Point Golf. Game-changing, three-dimensional ball markers that science shows will help us see the line better when we're putting and therefore make more putts and lower our scores. See for yourself why Jim Furyk and I are big fans by going online to onpointgolf.us. All right, folks, it is time for me to put a bow on this edition of Next on the Tee. My sincere thanks go out again to Tom Patrick, Rob LeBritz, Randy Pice, and John Hughes for joining me this week. Scheduled to join me next week are another one of the great instructors in our game, Jim McLean, will be here. Looking forward to having Jimmy back as part of the show. A great former player and now a fantastic analyst, Frank Nabolo, will be back. It's always so great having Frank as part of the show. He's just a treasure in our game. Can't wait to catch up with him next week. Ron Reed, who was the starter for several U.S. Opens, and he's written a wonderful book about those experiences, appropriately titled Starting the U.S. Open from Shinnecock to Pebble Beach. Ron's going to be making his next on the tee debut with me next week. And then we're going to round out the show with a return visit from PGA Tour rules official Stephen Cox. So a lot of great stuff on tap for you next week, folks. I hope you'll come back and be a part of the show with us. You can find Next on the T available as a podcast just about anywhere you get your podcast content. In particular, we're out there on TribLive.com in the Pittsburgh Tribune review site. Just go to TribLive.com, click on sports, and then podcasts, and you're going to find the show available for free front and center right there for you. You can also find the show over on Good Pods, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audioboom, Player.fm, and as always, my sincere thanks to the folks over at Good Pods for making this show one of their recommended podcasts and a staff pick. So please download their free app and stream your favorite podcast right there on your favorite device. But most of all, my thanks to all of you for being the greatest supporters in the history of podcasts. I appreciate you all so very much. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.